welcome to This Girl Calm, where we chat to wonderful women doing fabulous things in pharma. I'm Liv Nixon, and today I'm talking to Izzy Gladstone, Global Head of Marketing at PA Consulting in Healthcare and Life Sciences. Previous to PA Consulting, Izzy spent over six years as Head of Marketing for Reuters Events Pharma. And straight out of university, she joined I for Pharma, developing a content strategy for them that would position them as the leading source of trusted information for life sciences. Before this interview, Izzy had some really important reflective moments that led to us having a very open and honest discussion about the importance of male allies and how sometimes they can help us overcome our own self-limiting beliefs. Izzy has some extraordinary achievements in her career and personal life, and I found her open, humble and honest interview truly fascinating. So let's get going. Hi Izzy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much Liv, thank you for having me. I'm really grateful to be here. I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to find out all about your journey. So it is quite a journey as well Izzy. I was actually just reminding myself because it seems like a while ago since we first spoke, but looking back at your career history, you joined I for Pharma right back in your early days, didn't you? Is that pretty much where you started your career? Yeah, so I for Pharma was my first job post-university. So I moved to, hadn't even moved to London. I started applying for jobs in London while I was at university or finishing university. And uh, I don't actually remember interviewing for any other job apart from I for Pharma. And got the job and it was, yeah, so first first job post-university and it was just me and two other people one of which was Paul Sims that some people in the pharmaceutical industry may know and we I stayed there for a long time in London then in Australia I had a break for a couple of years where I thought the grass was greener it wasn't and then I came back and worked in Thailand and then moved to Australia, America, all with IFA Pharma. And then just before the pandemic, IFA Pharma was bought, or the, a holding company was bought by Reuters Events or Reuters. And we became essentially Reuters Events. So at that point, Reuters didn't have a B2B events company. And then that's where we evolved into a sort of a bigger a bigger machine with a bigger brand and it certainly created a lot more opportunities for us as an organization and then now I moved it's almost it's coming up to a year now I moved to a different organization completely to PA Consulting which is an innovation consultancy based in I'm actually based in New Jersey in America but the company's headquartered in the UK and I'm heading up their marketing for health and life sciences so it's one of the bigger sectors in PA. Most people in the UK kind of know of PA consulting, but it's a relatively new organization here in the US. So whilst I head up PA marketing for health and life sciences globally, includes the UK, there is the biggest opportunity for us is in the US. So there's a lot that we can do in terms of building our awareness and getting people to know us. We're definitely a challenging challenger brand. So it's exciting. It's one of the reasons I joined was because of the opportunity to get our name out there and, and, and make sure that we were known by more than just those in the UK. So completely new challenge again for you. Having been on the journey you've been on with Eye for Pharma and then Reuters, it's, yeah, I suppose you get to start that journey again in a way, don't you? 
It, well, it, it is it's a new company. So I feel like the last year has been me learning what a management consultancy does, how it works and how they talk about things. And ultimately the marketing foundation is the same. And certainly the way that we think about marketing doesn't change. And so that's the same. And it's really just about how do you apply it to a different business? And so first of all, the first step is just really understanding that business. And then it's about, okay, so how do I apply the fundamentals of good B2B marketing to this? And there's, as I said, enormous growth opportunities here for me personally, but also as from a, a company perspective. So there's lots that it's not like I'm coming into a very well-established marketing function that's got everything all set up and they're doing things 100% the way they should be done. There's lots of opportunities for change and doing things differently. So that's really exciting as well. Yeah. Do you think that's what would be one of your main drivers then, that opportunity for disruption and change? Probably not. I think it's, I would think about it differently because me personally, as a, yeah, personally, I don't like change. But what I do, I think my biggest driver, and I've known this for, you know, how sometimes you don't quite know what drives you, but I've known this for a good long time, is around creating business impact or creating value for the organization, whatever that way it might be. And I think for me, marketing, certainly B2B marketing, you can see that you get instant, that instant gratification. You can see the social impressions or you can see the downloads of a report or you can see the sales leads coming in. And for me, that's the massive driver is let's create, what can I do to create value for this organization through marketing? And then being able to see that impact down the line, whether that be in a month's time or six months time or 18 months time, depending on whatever you're working on. And so that that sort of ability to move the needle, I suppose, is what's exciting. So the fact that I can, I I do have an opportunity to move things forward and to do things differently and to create that impact. So it's less about the disruption. It's more about the sort of end, the end impact that excites me. Yeah, that makes sense. So take me back a little bit then, Izzy. Was it for you, obviously you are an established marketeer and that has been very much your world, but did mark, was it always marketing and then life sciences came into it or have you always had a passion for the life sciences aspect as well? What came first? My first passion was events. So that's why I joined I for Pharma. So I wanted to, I liked organizing events. But the, I think the reason why they hired me was that I had a, a relatively good understanding of commercial, the commercial realities of the world. I was talking to my husband at the weekend, actually, and I was reminiscing about a childhood to memory that I had, where I was I always, one of the things I used to love to do at a weekend was to get all the Mr. Men books out and put them in front of the sofa and pretend I had a shop. And people could come, I say people like my mom and my dad and my sister could come and buy a Mr. Men book. And like for me, like having a shop was like the most exciting thing because it was this idea of, again, back to this idea of creating value or creating, I'm not necessarily inherently 
driven by money, but I think it translates in marketing to social impressions and lead generation and sales leads. I think that I always had that backbone of wanting to, yeah, to create a, a commercial impact. And so it was always events. And then doing the events, it was the marketing that I got more excited about and certainly felt like I had much more of a, an ability for than some of the other aspects of the conference organizing production cycle. And so that's where I lent in. And then the pharmaceutical healthcare side of things, and that's just happened chance that I ended up in I for Pharma. I could have been in I for Transport or I for Travel, but I just ended up with, with Paul. And I think, again, it's, for me, I'm inspired every single day working around the pharmaceutical industry and healthcare industry because it's so very inspiring and it's a very easy story to tell for a marketing perspective because every single day there's just there's just fantastic things that are happening yeah that's how I fell into pharmaceuticals but I'm very happy I wouldn't change it for anything I think it's a fantastic industry to I don't necessarily always say I work in it but certainly to be on the edges of it and being able to tell the stories about it it's very inspiring yeah it's interesting really I think it's only since doing this podcast where I've been exposed to so many people talking about the good in the industry you must have seen a lot of that too having you will have been at all these major events and heard the people speaking about the passion for what they do it it is totally inspiring isn't it it is and I you know obviously the pharmaceutical industry can get a bad press and I think it's very hard for me to take much notice of that because as you said I'm just so exposed to so many amazing stories of what the industry does and how it helps people and at the moment it's going through such a such an amazing development I think with the healthcare transformation that we're seeing as well and then scientific breakthroughs there's I think the next 10 years is going to be exciting in terms of how we're going to see fundamentally I think how medicine is going to change healthcare it's yeah it's very exciting yeah I totally agree. I think we're at probably the best time to work in the industry there ever has been. Talk to me a bit more about yourself and your work-life balance. You talk, Obviously, you're based in the States. You mentioned your husband. Do you have children? How do you make it all work? <laughs> yeah, so I obviously I'm not born in the US. I was born in England, but I haven't lived there since about 2008. And I'm a mother, two children, eight and 10 year old, and they were actually born in Thailand. And I'm wow. a wife to a New Zealander. So it cements us as truly global citizens in the world. Outside of work and family, I'm what I would call myself a competitive runner. And you'll find me six mornings out of seven a week running around the town where I live between five and seven a.m. I run for a club as well, so Garden State Track Club, um, and I'm currently working on breaking 18 minutes for 5K. But <clears throat> running to me has always been something which has been very important to me as a, an addition to my identity in many ways, or being important to my identity of who I am. I always ran at school. I dabbled with triathlon when I was in Australia as well. But it's always been very important to me. 
and I think it's the it's not just the work and the family balance it's also the work family training hard balance and I think what I've learned is you have to be forgiving of yourself that sometimes you can't do all three well at the same time so I have to know if I'm going up through periods of heavy training or working a cycle up to a big race that perhaps I'm not going to be there all the time to create lots of play dates for my kids or do fun excursions because I'm tired or that I'm going to have to just move some of the work projects around a little bit maybe or just give myself a little bit more grace when I'm thinking about how I manage work and because you can't I don't you can't do all three at the same time I don't think two maybe you can juggle them but I think it's always a juggling act and it's taken me a while to to learn that and understand that and be forgiving of myself yeah that bit's really important isn't it that uh, giving yourself a break sometimes I don't think we do enough of it do your kids run no and I wouldn't want them to I don't want to ever pressure them to think that they should be doing this and for them to then hate it because running is not for everyone we all know like it's really boring and hard And so I, of course, these race, some of these races I do have got you know, kids' dashes and things. And I'm mm. probably the last person to ever sign my child up to a kid's dash. Because I'm like, if they hate it, they're going to hate running forever. And that would be terrible. So, no, they do sport, but not running. But I not think it's running. very particular. Like, it's not for everyone. No, I agree. I agree. I do try, but it's, I'm never going to be, <laughs> I'm never going to be a runner. So when we first spoke, I'm keen to get into this topic because A, it was hilarious and B, I think it's an important topic for us to cover. So when we first spoke, you were talking to me, we had quite a reflective moment where you were talking to me about whether you'd experienced any, I suppose it's work, we talk a lot about workplace bias and what it's been like being a female through your career and whether or not you'd sort of noticed any impact. And we talked about, and I'll let you I'll let you tell this story, but we talked about the importance that Paul Sims has played in particular in your career. First of all, tell me a little bit about that and coming to work with him and Yeah, I'll tell that you explained it very well then, but when we first started having this conversation, my and you said, Tell me about your the impact that workplace bias has had with you. I can't remember what the question was specifically. And it was, I think that it, that particular week, I think, was International Women's Day, I think, it was happening that day or something. So there was a lot going on, thinking about equity and quality and how we can make sure that there are more female leaders in the right roles and all of this stuff. And I just remember thinking, this is stuff that this doesn't happen to me. Like, I never, I've never felt any workplace bias was the first experience I had the first thing I thought of and then the second thing I was like because of that maybe I should invite someone else to this maybe we should invite Paul to this podcast because he's the one that's really helped me the most and he's going to have loads to say about this and then I laughed and realized what I'd just done and then started being more reflective of okay actually what's happening here and my experience isn't that anyone pushed me down or didn't give me the opportunities 
it was myself not putting myself up for those opportunities was the first thing. And the second thing is about Paul. Paul has always been a massive supporter of me and other female employees who he has worked with or worked for. And I think he he does it from a very authentic place. He's not doing it to show or for some sort of social media exercise or it's very authentic. Like he genuinely thinks that the women that he works with who he values need to be given the opportunities that they deserve. And I think he understands that with me, there's a, and he, I think he's known this probably from the first day we started working together, that I lack sometimes the confidence to put my hand up for things or to believe in myself to do things. And so I think it's, I think it's amazingly powerful, both in terms of what it does for you personally, but also what it can do if he's doing that outside of, one-on-one conversations with others in an organization but anyway so after we had that chat I called him and I said oh we've got this idea we want to bring you on to talk about this podcast and he laughed and we had a bit of a laugh about it how funny it was and he basically said no I'm not doing it and Paul's someone that's as most people know very happy to have a conversation with people and be on a podcast or be in a video and he was like no I'm not going to do it you need to do it on your own this is important for you I think you should be celebrated in your own right. And it was the right decision. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm an idiot. But it was, it was, it really was, it was very enlightening to me to see that I had done that. And it was, it helped me understand where my bias had come from, that it wasn't anything externally. It was because I didn't feel like I could do these things whether it's because of my own ability or because I felt like I wouldn't be able to manage it from a, work-life family balance perspective as well I think there's something there as well around we spoke about it before live around the opportunities that COVID has I think created women and I think it can be seen on both ways but certainly for me it has opened the door to being able to do more from a career perspective yeah, you're living in the States and working for a company headquartered in the UK. It's that in itself is, it tells a story. It is that conversation that we had was, yes, we laughed about it, but it was, it, it made me reflect as well, because I think you did the classic thing that, that I've done before in my life and that so many women that I approach to be interviewed on this podcast, it was that immediate I've not got enough to say about this. What do you want to talk to me for? I'll bring someone else. And it does so happen that someone else was a male. Let's <laughs> go and bring a man in and it'll all be okay. So it was funny, but on a serious note, it is really interesting, isn't it? To see that when you reflect on how sometimes you can limit yourself just by that self-belief, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So talk to me more then about, we've talked about allyship, talk about mentoring with me. And is that something that obviously you've had, I'm assuming Paul has been some form of a, would you call him a mentor Yeah, in that way? He's a really good friend, I would say. It's the way I would describe Paul. He is a really good friend. He came to my wedding, we got married in Bali. He was there, an official photographer of the day. And he's always been a, a very good friend to me 
And but in that, as a friend, he is a mentor, and he has, because we worked together for a long time, he's always been interested in my work and in my career, and has supported me as such. And I, th- I think when you find someone like that who you can have conversations with, and they help you see things differently or motivate you in a slightly different way. I think it's very powerful. And I think me personally, I'm looking for, I think at the moment I need something like that. And whether that's a regular catch-up that I need to put in Paul's calendar every quarter, or I need to find someone else to support me in a different way, I'm not sure. But I think it's especially for me in my career right now the kids are getting older they're much more independent I think this is I'm starting a new job a year ago I want to make sure that I'm not just coasting along quarter by quarter and I'm actually doing things that are really yeah making an impact not just to the organization but to my career and I think that's another thing I certainly I think women sometimes think don't think about that or I don't anyway it's one of those classic things that if I have a list of things to do on a Saturday morning one of them is for me I'm going to prioritize all the other things that are not for me which is picking up shoes for my kids or taking my son to soccer or whatever it might be and that thing that's for me I deprioritize and goes down the bottom of the list it's the same thing I think you go it's my career I don't really need to prioritize that but I think I need to shift my men- my mental mental state and remember I didn't need to put that forward I reckon I spend about 75% of my life picking up shoes uh, <laughs> shoes everywhere what is it with them my husband's just as bad he's <laughs> just, just put them away so do you mentor anybody else I don't and I think that would be a really again it comes back to the oh, I don't really know what I'd be able to say to someone or be the first thing but I think it would be a really useful not useful but it would definitely grow you, I think, as an individual, if you are yeah. mentoring someone. And I would, yeah, I think I would really enjoy that experience. The PA Consulting does have a mentor program, so you can be mentored by people. And I think you can become a mentor when they give specific training. And I think it's something that I've been thinking about getting more involved in. But again, it comes back to that thing is it just doesn't get prioritized for me because I'm like I've got all this I've got this campaign I've got to launch and then we've got this happening this event that we've got to go through now do you really need to prioritize mentoring and I think it could be a I think it could be a very valuable tool to your sort of growth growth opportunities and obviously being able to help people as well along the way that's what you can do so talk to me a little bit about how what success looks like for you do do you ever take a moment to sit back and think this is my aim and this is how it'll feel when I get there not really it comes back down to this idea of am I being valued so am I doing a good job in my role and in marketing as I said that comes in mostly through the data that that comes in but obviously of course being given opportunities by others in the organization that show that you're doing a good job and capable of of leading but I think it again in reflection having this conversation with you has made me think that I need to prioritize 
not just the job that I have in front of me, but what I want to do in my career. So not just the next quarter or the next two quarters, but where do I want to get to? And I think you do a little bit of that with kind of professional, you know, personal development. And, but often I think those things, they tend to be very quarter you know they're the quarter by quarter so by this quarter I want to do this and by this quarter I want to do that and by the next quarter I, want to do that. I think I need to think about a little bit more holistically around where I want to where I want to be it part I had a bit of a realization I don't know that five years ago maybe but I realized that I never wanted to be the next CEO of anything like when the Sheryl Sandberg book came out lean in I read it and I don't want to lean in actually actually okay (laughs) not leaning in just doing my job doing a good job seeing my children in the evening cooking them dinner that's okay with me that for me is success like I don't love my job so much that I feel like I need to be doing it 12 hours a day I really enjoy what I do eight hours a day is fine don't get me wrong, there's days when you need to do more than that, but I don't feel I need to be leaning in. And I think I think in some ways that book was a bit damaging in mm-hmm. some ways because I don't think I don't think women should feel like they need to be the next female leader of the world. No. Some people just do a very good job of what they do and that's great. That's what they should be valued for. Yeah. So that yeah, that's where I've been. Yeah, the realization that I've had is that I don't need to manage hundreds of people and be the top of a massive organization. I just I want to be doing interesting work, leading interesting projects, creating great marketing that has real impact, mm. and telling great stories in the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. So, okay, I've got a couple of questions for you. One question that I have to ask you that I ask everyone is about the Sliding Doors movie. And the has there been a single moment in your career or in your personal life that was perhaps so pivotal that everything shifted in, in this particular direction? I mean, so I spoke about it earlier, but for me, it's not a moment, but a time, and that's COVID. because what it did for me was level the playing field, I suppose, just in terms of responsibilities at home. And then also not just that, but also it opened up the possibilities of, I didn't have to be in an office five days a week. Prior to COVID, I was, I'd been working at home for Reuters events, been doing that for six years. And to me, I couldn't see how I could be a mother, be a wife, and not work at home. But at that time, pre-COVID, there was no jobs, not many jobs that were remote. Most of them, especially where I live in New Jersey, you have to commute up a highway to some industrial park in New Jersey, or you're on the train into New York an hour a day in an office yeah and so what covid did was just so you don't actually need to do that you can be at home and so you can still take your son to soccer at five o'clock 
you don't have to be juggling three babysitters or aftercare schedules or whatever like you can still do these things mm. and not feel like you're failing <laughs> all of them which is the way I felt like it would have been if both me and my husband were commuting every single day five days a week it would have put such a strain on our family whereas now we've got a great balance I go into the office a couple of times a week my husband goes in a couple of times a week and we're able to have very good careers and a good family life where I get to see the children most most evenings make them dinner most evenings so for me that was it, it opened up a whole world of possibilities and don't get me wrong like COVID was very hard this first few months year of being on lockdown but I think the act the, the the impact that it is ha- had on opportunities for women, I think, is great. Yeah. Do you think that will sustain moving forward? Because there's sometimes it can go too much one way, can't it? I don't know. I, I guess it'll be interesting uh, to I, see. Yeah, I think it will. I think, and obviously, job markets change over time and it's cyclical. But I think that employees want flexibility, and I think that's been shown and I think people will choose jobs opportunities that are giving them the flexibility that they need and I think it's just opened up the eyes of people to say that it is possible to do this like you can work in Texas and manage a team in New York and it works or it can work right don't get me wrong I think there's Whenever I go into the office, I very much enjoy being there. And I think it, it happens every single time I go in about five o'clock in the evening. Everyone just ends up chatting. And like about, sometimes it's about work. Sometimes it's just not. And it's just this little hum that kind of goes. Everyone's finished most of their meetings. And it's yeah. just really nice. You see the human connection. And so I think that that's still really important. But I think the flexibility of being able to choose when you can do that when you don't need to do that, I think we'll we'll continue. To, yeah. yeah. I hope so. I hope so. What advice would you go back and give yourself? Perhaps think back to the time, maybe even when you were at university still, before you embarked on this career. What do you think you'd go back and advise yourself now if you could? I think that I was thinking about this in preparation for this and one of my responses might have been, don't worry about stopping your career when you have children and taking a back seat. But that I don't know whether I'd necessarily say that because I like what I did when I had children. I did take a bit of time off and I was offered the opportunity to do that. We didn't have to have me working and I enjoyed that break. So actually, I don't think that. I think it would probably just be more around confidence and ability, just being more confident and believing in yourself. And this is constant, not just work, but not worrying too much about what other people think. And I think we all struggle probably with that. But I think that's massive. And I think as you get older, you lose that a little bit more and more. You lose that. I don't care, actually. I know I'm good at this. I know I can do that. But I think it's just that, yeah, that initial, that, that confidence and ability. But that's such a hard thing to tell someone to do differently, yeah. I think. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 
but it is a it it is so true and it changes everything doesn't it just that that the outlook if you could sometimes see yourself the way others see you it, it would yes. it would help wouldn't it yeah it's so true listen I'm gonna have to wrap this up and let you go because I know how busy you are this week so thank you so much for being such a fabulous guest Izzy it's been so lovely to get to know you and hear your fairly incredible journey I think and you probably again Mm. speaking back to what you've been saying you probably haven't realized quite how impressive a journey it is but it is quite impressive what you thank you Thank you. I love what you're doing. This has been a lovely experience talking to you about this. It's really made me think about myself and my journey and where I've been and where I want to go. So I really, yeah, thank you for giving me that opportunity. Thank you. And that's it for another episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet and you're enjoying the podcast, please do subscribe or hit follow. It makes a huge difference. You can now also join this Girl Cam as a member where you'll get invited to join recording sessions, regular mentions on the show and discounted or free tickets to some live events. To find out more, head to patreon.com forward slash thisgirlcam. As always, go to thisgirlcam.com to see this interview in print and to find out who my guest is next week. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook all under This Girl Cam. Thanks again, everyone. Bye for now.